Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Revelation. What will it take for people to finally humble themselves, turn from their ways, and turn towards God? And so God is going to turn up the heat. If people aren't repenting, He's going to turn up the heat. Because this is the last hour. This is the last opportunity that people are going to have to come to faith in Him. And so if this part hasn't turned them, then God's going to increase the heat a little bit, put on the squeeze a little bit more. Pastor Gary asks a question today that I wonder if it's been asked by others as well. It concerns the tribulation years that John describes in the book of Revelation. You'd think that tragedy after tragedy, people would stop having a calloused heart. But nope. You see, God will do anything as far as giving demons permission to kill if only we would turn from our sinful ways. I know this doesn't sound loving, but it's really quite the opposite. Friends, God doesn't want you to miss His train. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Revelation chapter 9 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. In verse 2, and he opened the bottomless pit, the abyss, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit, and then out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth. All right, now, these are not literal locusts. These are locusts that are demons in the form of locusts, and they come upon the earth, and they were given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. And verse Four that they says that they were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, which is typically what locusts would do, but these are no ordinary locusts, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not given authority to kill them, notice, but to torment them for five months. So, you know, look, again, what God is up to is... Measured, it is limited, it is not reckless or random. What God is doing here, as severe as this is, as horrible as this is, again, you have to keep in mind what lengths does God have to do to get people's attention who are stubborn and who refuse to submit to Him? Well, maybe this will help. You know, God's going to use a variety of things to try to get people to finally surrender to him before all eternity makes it impossible for them to ever have relationship with him. Because there is a day 
There is, there's going to be a final day when, when the Lord says no more. And so he wants, he wants as many to get on board as will. And so he's going to go to great lengths to bend people to get them to the place where they will finally surrender and cry out to him. And this is one of the methods he's going to use here. But it's, it's not just this reckless, it's for five months and you can't kill them. Okay? And their torment, middle of verse 5, their torment was like, okay, you're going to see the word like here more times in this chapter than any other chapter in the book of Revelation. John is, he's trying to communicate about these things, but he, he, you know, he struggles for the words. So he says, well, it's like, it's like, it's like, you're going to see. The torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. That's how it's going to feel. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. Let me translate. What he's saying is people will try to commit suicide because they are so tormented by the sting of these demonic in insects, it doesn't say how big they are. Are they the actual size of locusts? Are they more like a bird? It doesn't actually describe the size. But the sting is so severe that people wish to die, try to die, try to commit suicide, and death will elude them. They won't be able to die. They won't be able to die. You know, God is the author of life. And he's not going to even allow people to take their own lives here. So verse 7, the shape of the locust was like, notice, like horses prepared for battle. Okay, these are no ordinary locusts, all right? On their heads were crowns of something like gold. And their faces were like the faces of men. These are, these are kind of gross creatures. Kind of the, the shape of a horse, got little crowns, faces of men. But then verse 8 says they had hair like women's hair. So a man with blonde flowing hair and... A crown, just weird. And their teeth were like lion's teeth. They got these sharp teeth, and they had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. You know, you can read some different commentaries where people try to figure out what this actually is, and some some will say, well, this is probably a description of because when they get to the part here about their wings, it's like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. Maybe that sounds like a helicopter. Maybe, maybe the, what John is describing here are like Apache helicopters going into battle, and you see the face of a man because there's a pilot in the cockpit, but, you know, but, the, but the shape of, uh, of a helicopter, it's kind of like a horse. I mean, maybe John is struggling to try to describe modern warfare. I don't I don't subscribe to that opinion, that interpretation. I think these are demonic creatures. These are demonic principalities. They've come up out of the abyss, okay? Um, But, you know, it makes for some lively discussion. Uh, And it says in verse 10 that they had tails like scorpions and there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men. Again, five months, it's limited. And they they had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. Okay, notice, by the way, in Proverbs 30, verse 27, Solomon said in his observation, real locusts have no king. That's Proverbs 30, verse 27. These particular locusts have a king. And you know who their king is? Their king is Satan. Because that's the next part here. The king over over them 
was the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek he has the name Apollyon. Abaddon in Hebrew and Apollyon in Greek mean the same thing. It means destroyer. And it's a reference to Satan. He is the king of the demonic principalities. Remember in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it talks about how we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That is ranking. What Paul is writing in Ephesians 6 are rankings. That in the demonic realm, in the demonic principalities, there are spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And, and those are rankings. So demons have rankings of some kind. Uh, much in the same way that even in the angelic realm, there are certain rankings. You know, Michael is listed as the archangel. Gabriel is seen as a, as a messenger angel. Uh, at one time, Lucifer... Uh, when he before he rebelled, was the guardian cherub. So he may have even been even higher in, in order than an archangel. We, we don't really know. But there are ranks and classifications within spirit beings. And in the demonic realm, that is true as well. And so um, they have a king, these demons. And the king is Satan, Abaddon, Apollyon, meaning destroyer. And one woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. And here comes the sixth trumpet, verse 13. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And so the four angels who had prepared for the hour, who, who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year, look how intentional this is with God here. They've been prepared for this specific purpose, were released to kill a third of mankind. Now, the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. And thus, I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions. And out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone by these Three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents having heads, and with them they do harm. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk, and they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. So here comes trumpet number six. Trumpet number six tells us when that is sounded that the result will be a third of mankind will be killed by demons. And that's an estimated one and a half billion people. Now, I'm going to break down some of the numbers because I, in a moment, because I want you to know, you know, what, what is happening with the population on the earth. But let's backtrack first and, and talk a little bit about what's happening here. So now we move from demons that have come out of the bottomless pit, which, by the way, you know, the Bible doesn't say where the bottomless pit actually is located. You know, in the, in the 1920s and 1930s, seismologists, by reading seismic waves after earthquakes uh, made a determination about the core of the earth being uh, basically about the size of the moon, being basically solid, mostly iron, 
and a temperature of about 13,000 degrees Fahrenheit, which is about 2,000 degrees, by the way, hotter than the surface of the sun. What I often wonder is, how do they really, really know that? I mean, scientifically, you can only prove something in a laboratory. So nobody's that I know has ever been to the core of the earth. So seismologists have summarized this. Okay, the abyss is probably somewhere in the center of the earth. In fact, David in Psalm 63, 9, he says, when he was praying about those who were trying to destroy his life, he said, but those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. And there's other references in the Bible that indicate that hell and the abyss, which is some kind of a bottomless pit within the framework of hell, is located more in the center of the earth. Be that as it may, those demons have been released for five months to torment. But now these demons don't come from the bottomless pit. They come from the Euphrates. And these demons are allowed to kill versus just torment. And so the sixth angel in verse 13 sounds his trumpet and a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. So this is, this is the scene in heaven saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So because these angels are bound, this, this is an indication to us that these are not good angels. These are not angelic beings that worship the Lord. These are demonic angels. These are fallen angels who were part of the rebellion with Lucifer at some point because these are bound angels that are now being released. And they are in the area of the great river Euphrates. Now, that, that places them, of course, in ancient Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq. You know, the Euphrates River was one of originally four uh, rivers in the Garden of Eden that the book of Genesis tells us in Genesis chapter 2. And so, you know, it's very interesting that somewhere in the original location of the Garden of Eden, which was not in Israel, it was in somewhere in Iraq, Mesopotamia, ancient the land between the two rivers, Tigris and Euphrates, that that will be the location where these demonic principalities will be released. And if you, if you jump over to chapter 18 for just a minute, Revelation chapter 18, because we're talking about the Euphrates, we're talking about ancient Babylon, which is modern Iraq, there's this reference in chapter 18 to the fall of Babylon, and it tells us in verse 2 of chapter 18, it says, And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. And so when you jump back here to chapter 9, you know, all of this makes sense in, in, in terms of how this prophecy of what will be released from this region of ancient Babylon is consistent with what chapter 18 tells us, that it is a place where demonic principalities have, have gathered. You know, when you look back at the ancient stories of uh, the Tower of Babel, Babel is Babylon, and the original worship of Babel was to worship the stars and the moon, the starry hosts and the heavenly hosts. Well, that was the lead into occult worship. All occult worship originally began in ancient Babylon. And the effect of that and the presence of it is still there. And God is going to release it, release these four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So I'm back here in chapter 9 now. In verse 15, so the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. 
a third of mankind. Now, if you maybe have been keeping a mental note, how many people have left the planet now at this point? Either through, okay, first, people have been raptured already. Christians have been taken from the earth. Back when we were going through the seals, the unleashing of the seals, a fourth of the population of the planet were killed at the fourth seal. So right now we're approaching right around 8 billion people in the planet. So that's 2 billion people who are already gone for at the fourth seal, plus those who have already been raptured. Then you have the death of some believers at the fifth seal, because while people come to faith in Christ during the tribulation period, they will also be martyred for their faith. They will be killed for their faith. The Bible just says some, so we don't know how many that represents. And, and so now the population of the planet is down, you know, somewhere under 6 billion at this point. And now we come to a third uh, are going to be killed here under the sixth trumpet. So now it's another 1.6 billion people or so. In other words, when you do all the calculations, by the time you get here to the sixth trumpet, half of the earth's population is gone. Gone. Half. Either through death or because of the rapture. But at a minimum, at a minimum, four billion people are now gone. Most of them dead. And, and so we're, we're just, you know, at the midway point of the tribulation. And half the world's population is gone. And it says in in verse 16, now the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. Now, interestingly, this, I mean, I was technically alive, but I don't remember. 1965, Time Magazine had a feature article on China and China and China boasted in, and the article in Time Magazine, 1965, boasted and the actual number that they boasted was that they could put forth an army of 200 million men. And so a lot of, you know, the Bible, you know, prophecy people who just love this kind of thing said, all right, this is a Bible prophecy here about China, that China's going to, you know, bring their massive army, 200 million people. But, but look, in the context of this, first of all, we don't know if China was actually, you know, embellishing numbers or not. I'm not going to say different things that some of you want me to say right at this moment. <laughs> but listen, and in World War II, all armies combined was only 70 million of all, of all sides of, of World War II, all army fighting forces from every nation, 70 million. So this is an astronomical number here. And so here's, here's the best guess. This army probably represents an army of demons. And it may be that these are human, peop- human beings who are, form an army that have been possessed by demons, but whether these are literally demonic principalities that have formed an army here, taken on some kind of, of human form, or, or whether or not these are demons who have possessed human beings, in the context, it seems to suggest that this is an army that is related to demonic principalities here, 200 million And verse 17, and thus I saw the horses in the vision, those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, sulfur yellow, heads of the horses were like the heads, like the heads of lions, not actually lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, brimstone, and those are the things, the fire, smoke, and the brimstone that's going to kill people. By these three plagues, the fire, the smoke, the brimstone, 
A third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths for their power. Again, so all this is coming out of their mouths, which is another reason why this seems odd to suggest that this would be a literal human army. If they are human beings, they're possessed by demons or these are demonic beings themselves to project this kind of stuff out of their mouths for their power is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents having heads, and with them they do harm. So, I mean, it's, it's coming out of both ends, their mouth and their tail. They're, they're either blowing smoke, fire, brimstone, or, or like snakes, they are doing you harm. And then, a very sad verse here, verse 20, but the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent. Did not repent. What's it going to take? By the way, circle the word repent. That word is found 12 times in the book of Revelation, that is more times than any other book in the entire New Testament. Because that's God's heart. Repent, repent, repent. What does repent mean? It means to turn. It means to leave the way you are and turn and go 180 degrees in the opposite direction. It is the Greek word metanoeo. Metanoeo, meta meaning to change. Noeo meaning your mind or your will. It is the exercise of your will to change, to make a decision, I'm going to change from the path I'm on, and I'm going to turn from this reckless path, and I'm going to turn toward God. That's repent. It's renouncing a life of sin, and it is turning to God. And sadly, after all of this, people did not repent of the works of their hands that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk, And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries. Notice some of your Bibles have a footnote there. Mine does for sorceries. It actually is the word, it says in in the margin of your Bible, your footnotes, drugs, because it is the Greek word pharmakia. We get our English word pharmacy. So it's not talking about witchcraft here. It's talking about drugs, pharmakia or their sexual immorality, or their theft. So it's a very sad ending here to, to chapter 9, because you have, you, have all of this, you have all this torment, you have all this massive death, and that's, that's terrible and tragic as it is. But what's even worse, I think, than that, is that in spite of that, people are like, well, I'm, just, I'm still not turning. I mean, what's, what is it going to take? What will it take for people to finally humble themselves, turn from their ways, and turn towards God? And so God is going to turn up the heat. If people aren't repenting, he's going to turn up the heat. Because this is the last hour. This is the last opportunity that people are going to have to come to faith in him. And so if this part hasn't turned them, then God's going to increase the heat a little bit, put on the squeeze a little bit more. So that hopefully others will humble themselves and turn to him. And that, you know, that again is really the heart of the book of Revelation. We'll pick it up there next week. But folks, listen, there's no time like the present to repent and get right with God. Repent is something any of us can do at any time, but there will come a time when it will be too late. And so please, if you're not right with God, Change your mind, your will, metanoeo. Exercise your will to say, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to get off the path I'm on, and I'm going to turn toward God. And he's a merciful God. He, he sent his son Jesus to die for us because he knows of our sin struggle. He knows that we are sinners, 
And so he sent his son Jesus to die for us so that we can have our sins forgiven, put our faith and trust in Jesus, and be able to be with the Lord forever when we die or when he comes for us, whichever happens first. So repent. There's no greater time than the present to repent and to get right with the Lord. That's all we have for today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. If you'd like to listen to this edition in Revelation again, or if you'd like to explore other messages from Pastor Gary through his Bible teachings, just visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. Or you can download our mobile app to stay connected to the truth of God's Word everywhere you go. It's a great way to have a quiet time anytime. You'll find a link on our website, along with more information about the church behind this ministry, Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you. Come visit us. You'll find service times and more information about Cornerstone Chapel at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Is there anything happening in your life right now that we could be praying for? We'd be honored to do that for you. Or is there anything God's doing that deserves some rejoicing? Please let us know. We love that we can interact with our listeners. So send us a quick email and we'll get back to you soon. Prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. That's prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. With that, our time with you has come to an end for today. Put a marker where we left off in this final book of the Bible and make plans to join Pastor Gary next time for more, right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know